Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for September 16th, 2018. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jacks Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon today is entitled, The Simple Truth. Out this morning just talking to you, um, not preaching this written sermon, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach my sermon for you, and I, I think we're going to have a little bit of time at the end that I'm going to give you time to talk back to me just a minute, okay? So think carefully about what you hear and be prepared to talk back for just a couple of moments. Wisdom cries out in the street. To worship or not to worship, that is the question. And oh, it is some kind of question. Everyone else is canceling worship, but we're not everyone else, you know. Do we cancel worship? But there is a hurricane, have you heard? We might get 10 inches of rain. And what if the streets are flooded? And what if the trees are down? And what if the snakes are out? Or the alligators? Did you see that video of the alligator? And what if there's no power? Some people decided on Tuesday. As soon as Brad Panovich started excitedly doing that counterclockwise hokey pokey, you know, um, and saying the words hurricane and North Carolina in the same sentence, some people decided then they weren't coming today. Remember Hugo? We were without power for two days or three weeks, Jan Burleson told me yesterday. Three weeks she was without power. Quick, we need milk and eggs and toilet paper. Quick, buy all the bottled water you can get your hands on. Quick, start adding ice to your freezer and fill up your bathtubs. The generators are all gone from Home Depot. I was there yesterday and men were fighting over two-gallon gas cans like they were this year's hottest Christmas toy. I kid you not, there was a run on the two-gallon gas cans like crazy. One guy was at the register with two in each hand. At 5 o'clock last night, as Amy mentioned, we called Ann and Ken and Brian Smith. What shall we do? We never cancel church. But is that foolish? Are we being slavishly devoted to a tradition for the sake of a tradition? Of course, some people decided a week ago not to venture out, but some will feel pressured to come out if we meet, even if we say, be careful, only come if you can make it safely. Some will come. Will we be responsible for that? For 10 days, they sounded the warning in every town and hamlet along the Carolina coast, mandatory evacuation, but some just would not leave. Florence came to town on Thursday night, and by the time Amy and I listened to the 7 o'clock NBC News Roundup the next morning, over 100 people had already been evacuated, some by heroic measures. Wisdom cries in the street. She says, because I have called and you refused have stretched out my hand, and no one heeded. And because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock you, you, you when you panic, when panic strikes you like a tropical storm or calamity comes like a great hurricane. Oh, wisdom. What do we do? Do we worship Or do we stay home on the sofa with a good cup of coffee and a better book? 
Of course, last night when I was writing this, I had no idea uh, who would be laughing at whom this morning. Would wisdom be laughing at our decision, or would we be laughing at all, uh, at all those who chickened out of church just because it was raining a little bit? I hope we made the wise decision. As I was reading this text this week, just so much came out at me. My preacher camp group, occasionally we'll get together and do a, a Zoom video chat. And so on one day this week, Wednesday morning, Amy had set up a video and there were six of us who gathered together to talk about this text and how everybody was dealing with this text. It's so interesting, uh, six pastors from all around the country dealing with different angles, different little snippets of this text. There's so much there. Where will I go with this? Wisdom cries in the street. We've heard a lot of noise from the street in the last few years. So I wondered, is wisdom that word? Is wisdom the voice of the powerless, the voice of the angry masses? Or is wisdom out there among the masses? Today is wisdom among the populism that cries out for a strong leader, that cheers harsh measures, strength, and power. Is wisdom actually offering a different word to the street? A second idea, does wisdom really laugh at those who suffer, those who make bad decisions for whatever reason? Or is there a quiet, subversive message if we read all of Scripture Does Scripture critique Scripture? Is the subtle word that even though wisdom laughs at our foolishness, God never does. A third idea. Why is wisdom portrayed as a woman? Sophia, wisdom. And why does Proverbs later characterize another woman? The seductive voice of worldly choices. And these two women are pitted together throughout the book of Proverbs as if there's some kind of cosmic catfight battling for our souls out there, you know? The woman of wisdom and the woman of worldly wisdom. That's the third idea. Fourth idea, the, the wisdom characterized in the text I read today is conventional wisdom. It could come under a larger rubric called the prosperity gospel, which says God blesses the righteous. Waywardness kills the simple, this proverb says, but those who listen to God's wisdom will be secure and will live at ease. Do the right thing, God will bless you. Prosperity gospel, conventional wisdom, it's here, it's in the Bible. But is that an adequate summary of biblical righteousness? What about grace? Didn't even the ancient prophets begin offering an unconventional wisdom? No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, it's not do this and God will bless you. It's you are loved. You are forgiven. Be at peace. Even among tribal gods and religious superstition thousands of years ago, the prophets offered a view of unconditional love. The grace of faith, not the work of fear-filled obedience. So there's four sermon ideas right there. And I'm not dealing with any of those four this morning. Here's what I want to say to you, and it's a simple truth. And so I thought I'd bring my guitar along since we're a little more casual today. And this is not Bach or Beethoven. It's Lyle Lovett. My apologies to Monty and... 
on trusting you when you've been cheating, spending your nights on the town. I said it wasn't Beethoven. And who keeps on saying that he still wants you when you're through running around? Who keeps on loving you when you've been lying, saying things that Saying things ain't what they seem God does, but I don't God does, but I won't That's the difference between God and me God does, but I don't God will, but I won't And that's the difference between God and me Who says he'll forgive you who says that he'll miss you and dream of your sweet memory. God does, but I don't. God will, but I won't. That's the difference between God and me. God does, but I don't. God will, but I won't. And that's the difference between God and me. My apologies to good guitar players everywhere and to Lyle Lovett. But there's a simple truth there. God's wisdom and ours are two completely different things altogether. God does, but I don't. God will and I won't. And that's the difference between God and me. So if you've ever thought a sermon here or anywhere else sounded anti-American... I've actually been accused of that, never to my face, but behind my back. Or anti-capitalist, I've been accused of that, never to my face, but behind my back. Or counter-cultural, or subversive to the conventional wisdom of the day. Well, maybe, maybe you were just hearing gospel truth. Despite the word on the street these days being echoed by those church leaders who are being coddled by the powers that be. And of course, this is nothing new. Power is always glad to pander to religion for approval and the next vote. But despite the way some church leaders have accommodated American partisanship into the Christian message, God's ways are not our ways, period. Being a good Christian and a good American are not the same thing. That's the simple truth. God does, but I don't. God will, but I won't. And that's the difference between God and me. Now, the other way I want to invite you to think about truth this morning is that the simple truth is that truth is never simple. Period. Truth is never simple. No matter how much our simple minds need to make it so, wisdom cries out in the street, How long, O oh simple ones, will you be simple? Truth is never simple. I don't know who's worst. worse, preachers or politicians. But we love to have them wrap the most complex problems in the, in the world into an answer that will fit on a bumper sticker. And then we love to bask in the self-righteousness that masquerades as orthodoxy. I'm right. Read the bumper sticker. 
out of laziness or a kind of moral cowardice, we have allowed the issues to divide us, allowing the politicization of the issues, politicization by both the church and the state, to be framed these difficult issues as right or wrong, good or bad, left or right, Republican or Democrat, Christian or other, and not one of the issues that matter in our country this day is that simple. Not a single one. Last night, Amy and I watched the movie Cider House Rules. I'd heard the title. I knew what it was about. We'd never seen it. Oh, my. The abortion debate in this country rages. And um, abortion was nothing new in 1940 before Roe versus Wade when Cider House Rules was set. And, oh, my, this is not a simple issue. We've made it a simple issue that you can put on a bumper sticker, pro-life. It's not a simple issue. There are no simple issues in this country, and we do ourselves an injustice by making them simple. The American biochemist and writer Isaac Asimov once noted that the saddest aspect of life right now is that science gathers knowledge faster than society gathers wisdom. All of our issues, abortion and gay marriage and immigration, pluralism and protectionism and climate change and nuclear proliferation, all are products of a culture that has advanced in knowledge faster than we have advanced in wisdom. How do we handle the information we're being given about all of these issues? As a consequence, we seek simple solutions to give us at least the feeling of control. But the world has never been controllable, which is why we need God. That old program called KISS, Keep it simple, stupid, can only lead a 21st century culture backwards. There's that word again. I'm sorry I keep using it. Backwards. The world is not simple. Truth is not simple. Period. The prayer of confession we just prayed refers to three truths our culture has simplified for us in a way that is counter to biblical wisdom. If you believe biblical wisdom, it is counter to God's intention for us. Briefly, those three. Money. Our culture says greed is good. You remember that line from the movie Wall Street years ago? Greed is good. The more money you have, the better. And all you can grab of it is yours to keep and yours to do with as you will. Someone has said there is no greater sin in America than to be poor. And our infatuation with the lives of the rich and famous and our inability to speak of the poor without blaming them for their plight is all the proof we ought to need of that. Corporations pay obscene salaries to CEOs at the expense of workers. Athletes and celebrities demand absurd contracts that we are willing to pay through merchandise and ticket prices. And the gulf between the rich and the poor grows day by day in this country, threatening evermore to undo all of us. Some will always judge the value of a person and the success of a nation by the bottom line. You know, if the Dow's at an all-time high, we must be doing great, right? I've heard that. You heard that lately? We're doing great. The Dow's never been this high. But wisdom says, how long, O oh, simple ones, will you be simple? Truth is never simple. 
Biblical wisdom never suggests that my money is just my money. God is the giver. We are just stewards of every good gift from above. Jesus says, what does it profit a man to gain the entire world and lose his soul? Who cares about the Dow Jones? Money is not the measure of an individual or a nation. And Jesus reminds us to the one whom much is given, much more will be demanded. My money is not my own. Now to be clear, there is hardly anything that can change a person's life for the better more than an adequate standard of living, i.e. money. As I was taught years ago, the Bible is mostly about economics. Money matters, but it's not simple. Money is a means, and the end is not my prosperity. The goal is the kingdom of God on earth, where all share in God's abundance. Money. Number two, might. Since the dawn of time, human beings have marked their territory, drawn their lines, defended to the death those arbitrary divisions. Might makes right. The guy with the biggest stone, the biggest army, the biggest bombs, got the biggest territory. He was the biggest. Despite all our progress over the ages, nothing's really changed, has it? Not a single thing. We are still rattling our sabers and spending our money on bombs and walls because we have fallen for the simple truth that says good fences make good neighbors. How long, oh simple ones, will you be simple? Biblical wisdom will have none of that. The psalmist of old said, some take pride in chariots and some in horses, but our pride is in the name of the Lord our God. And Jesus should be all the proof that Christians need that God's plan is not peace through strength. Real peace will only come through the weakness of self-giving and self-sacrifice, through the sacrificial love of neighbor and enemy alike. If you need any contemporary evidence, secular evidence that ironically bolsters the biblical wisdom, you need look no further than our own military budget. I've made this point before. Even before the current year that saw an increase in our spending on the weapons of war by more than $200 billion, even before that, we were already spending more on defense than the next eight nations combined. What more proof do you need that we do not feel secure by increasing our military? How much would we have to spend on bombs to make you feel secure? We've already got more than the eight nations following us combined, and we added $200 billion to it. We will never be secure by increasing our military. Security can only be secured with compassion and generosity and the daring risk of being a good neighbor. Money, might, and me. It's one of the first lessons we learned And one that we have never learned. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain asked God. Simply put, yes. Yes, we are. It is never just about me. It's not about my money. 
It's not about my security. It's not about my rights. It's not about my privileges, my entitlements. It's not even about my just desserts, what I've worked hard to earn. It's not even about my responsibilities. It's not about the individual. Not in biblical wisdom. It's not about you. It's about y'all. The the word is almost always plural when God speaks to you. And we have individualized it so much because it's so American to make it about me. God says, I want to prosper you. Not you, Chris. Not you, Amy. Y'all. That's the Hebrew word. It's plural. But we can't see that. And we don't want to see that. Because it's all about me. But biblical wisdom is not about you. It's about y'all. Almost always, the word is plural. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long before we learn that if I want to be prosperous and secure, if I want life and liberty and happiness, I must learn not just to pursue those things, but to help secure those things for all people. There is a simple truth. We hear it on the street It is so intrinsically American. And there's some really good stuff in that individualism, y'all, okay? I'm not just throwing off on all of it. But it is so American to make it all about me. Uh, We have created an entire world and an entire worldview around money and might and me. And into our streets, God's wisdom calls How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? The simple truth is that truth is not simple. Not today, not tomorrow, not forever. God give us that wisdom. May it be so. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.